0: Well, it's great to see you today. Uh, last week, Annette and I were out of town, and uh, you were in the in the capable preaching hands of uh, Michael Sutton. Michael, thank you for uh, preaching out of Ephesians, which was a good way to uh, end last year and to tip us into 2018. Uh, thank you. Is anybody accustomed to saying 2018 yet? How many of you wrote 2017 on your check today? How many of you? Oh, well, when you write your check, uh, I'll just say that. I I just want to say, I just have to say this. Ben, I think there's something marvelous about right after you've said that the kids could be released, that you sing victory in Jesus. (laughs) I... I just, I thought the parents could probably sing that with a lot of verve. And so that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, he's, he's smart. Uh, just something about uh, Ben. I found out that he had five wisdom teeth taken out over the last uh, ten days or so. Uh, that's one over par. Uh, I'm not sure why they did five um, He's the sixth of six children in his family. Maybe they just sort of accumulate uh, in an N minus one sort of way. Um, Anyway, we're glad that you're... He said he led singing last week with the stitches in and swollen and he could open his mouth half. Um, Anyway, appreciate all that. Our, our kids are, our young people are heading out this, uh, this week. There's Winterfest in Arlington. There's a Gulf Coast Getaway for the college group uh, in Pensacola, Florida. If I could choose Arlington or Pensacola, um, I, might, I might go to Pensacola. But it's great that our, our people get to go. It's a wonderful thing. Um, so preaching uh, there there is a lot of things that uh, that we have, are trying to learn and, and and one of those is that that in this day in this day preachers need to learn to preach from a position of preaching into doubt rather than preaching into faith now that's a, that's a different kind of thing because I've, I've grown up in the middle of faith I, I've grown up where uh, as far as church was going on it was the range there was never a discouraging word And and that people who might have uh, expressed some doubt about anything in Scripture would have probably been frowned down in in some way in the circle of the church. That the church was a place that was safe for believers, but uh, not really uh, safe for unbelievers, even though secretly we knew That some of the believers had their doubts. But in our world, as we experience it now, uh, we are, are reaching out to a world that is not already oriented toward being Christian. And, and in that sense, the world in which we live right now is perhaps more like the first century world than the world has been around us at any time. When when John wrote, when Paul preached, they did not preach into a great repository of faith in Jesus they were doing the first work they were doing the the first evangelistic work they were saying the name of Jesus for the very first time some people that they talked to had never ever heard the name of Jesus before they didn't know the stories they didn't know Abraham from Heraclitus they didn't know And so if we uh, take it upon ourselves to try to speak into doubt instead of into faith, we have to be more careful. And we have to try to assume less. And so... Perhaps we are going to be preaching in a way that you hear in John chapter 12. Jesus is in the the very day or so of his last supper. But earlier in that day, In verse 20 it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. And Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus basically said um, time's up the hour for me to be glorified has come the son of man it's time to be glorified has come but what do we say to people who come to us and say so so tell us about Tell us about Jesus. The Gospel of John is written as the answer to that question. We would like to meet Jesus. And so John, who had known Jesus from the day he was baptized by John the Baptist who came to announce Jesus John who was a fisherman but who knew Jesus and and followed him for the three years of his ministry and then lived 60 years longer as a disciple and follower of Jesus John writes this gospel to those who might like to know who Jesus is. Now, I'm assuming that this is going to strengthen the faith of those who believe. I'm assuming that this is going to speak into the the crooks and crannies of the doubts that we have in our own hearts about who Jesus is. I'm assuming that the Holy Spirit dwells in this word. And that the Holy Spirit attends the preaching of the word so that this word is a spirit-empowered word To come to you as a word of confession and faith and as a word that can generate the, the seed of faith in the heart of those around you. And I would tell you if you're inclined to teach someone else about Jesus, if you will sit with them and Just begin reading through the Gospel of John for about an hour a week and talk about the Gospel of John. And then when you get through with the Gospel of John, just continue into the book of Acts. Often by the time you get to chapter 2 or 3 or 8 or 9 or 16. The person you're reading John with will ask you if you can go to the water. The one you're studying with will ask if he or she can be baptized. Because the gospel of John is a powerful tool for creating faith when the Holy Spirit attends the teaching of the word. So this morning, we have a choice, and I've, I've made a choice, but the choice this morning is to spend the next three months in the first 18 verses, or to spend the next 18 minutes in the next first 18 verses... And then continue into the gospel and hear how the prologue to the gospel of John continues to resonate in every story, every interview, every discourse by John. And so that's basically what we're going to do, option two. But we could stay a long time. In the first eighteen verses, John writes this. Probably in Ephesus, we're going to study Ephesians in the chapel. And, and by the way, that study of Ephesians after the beginning today, then then Jeff Peterson's going to take the chapel class. He's just been teaching a class in Ephesians at, at the grad school. He knows more about Ephesians than. Uh, than Silas and Timothy. <clears throat> um not, that's not true. Okay, well a lot. And uh, and Andre Hendricks is gonna teach in the Rangers class and and the Pierces will be downstairs with the younger group. And so we are basically this spring. I don 't know why John, why January gets to be spring, but it does. This spring we are studying John's word to Ephesus in the gospel, and we're studying Paul's word to Ephesus in the letter. We may say more about Ephesus in the class, but Ephesus was a great city. Uh, John left uh, Jerusalem. Tradition says he left with Mary, the mother of Jesus, in his charge and he went to Ephesus which is on the western shore of Turkey now. The ruins. And it was a great city and the temple of Artemis which had been at one point one of the wonders of the world. Um... It was a place that had a, 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 an arena, a theater, that would seat 25,000 people. It was one of the four great cities on the Mediterranean. And John went there with Mary. And if you visit there, they will show you what is supposed to be the tomb of John and the tomb of Mary. And you wonder, how did Mary get all the way out here And you remember that Jesus told John to take care of his mother. And he did. He made sure she was nowhere near Jerusalem when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. But sitting in Ephesus and looking at the temple to Artemis and hearing all of the the things going around in Ephesus... He decides to talk about Jesus not with a genealogy like in Matthew, uh, not with a birth story like in Luke, and not with an immediate jump to light speed in ministry as in Mark. But he begins with a reflection that might draw someone in It's as he has, as if he has litten has, has lit that little yellow light on the back porch in a. Texas house in the summertime that that if it's lit then after a while the, the moths all show up around it to be closer to the light he he lays out terms that someone might hear and, and, and be attracted like word and light and life flesh grace Mercy, law. And he begins in this poetic, philosophical song. He begins to tell the story of Jesus. And he tells the story of Jesus from the beginning. Not Matthew's beginning with Abraham. Not Luke's beginning with Adam. In the beginning. In the place, the hinge, the portal in the before the big bangness of it all in the beginning there was god and a part of god an aspect of god a person of god was the word and that word word logos has reverberations of meaning in in philosophical circles in his day But this Logos is not some lesser God, not some emanation of God, not some layer of Godness at a distance from God. This word was God. And the word is with God. And he's with God in the beginning Beginnings boggle us. We, we don't know how to think about in the beginning. Almost all the world religions, if you read them back... All of them, almost all of them, presume that there's always been matter. There's always been something. There's always been the Mount Olympus. There's always been the alluvial swamp. There's always been the turtle on which everything rides. There's always been something. And, and, and no one hardly ever talks about the beginning. They talk about something that happened along the way. Along the way, there's Zeus. Along the way. Along the way. But John stops and tugs on the coat of the person in Ephesus and says, it's not all matter from the beginning Because in the Jewish faith and in the Christian faith, the common beginning, there is spirit before matter. There is the presence, the energy, the personality, the emotion, the... of spirit before there is... The spatial displacement, the height, depth, lengthness, the second minute hourness of stuff. So John says, You may think this odd, but there is something that stands before. Everything you know about this world. And what I'm going to whisper in your ear and eventually shout in the marketplace is that in the beginning was Jesus Christ. And when you talk about the Christ... When you talk about Jesus Christ, you are talking about the one who is God and is with God and who is, later we find, in the very bosom of God. He is filled with godness. He is filled with deity. And we whisper his name. And then he says, in a a way that sort of makes us hark back. I don't know if you want to hark this early in the morning or not. But harks back to Genesis. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light was shining in the darkness. was in creation nothing that was made was made without him everything that was made was made with him and a part of what he has that is with him is the life and the light the life and the light and God said Let there be light. And so in that amalgam, sort of the way God's talked about in in the creation accounts, the Father's there, the Son is there, the Spirit's there. All of that Godness is calling out of nothing the light. and calling out of that light the substance and calling out of that substance the life. And so when you are talking about Jesus, you're talking about the one who is with God and is God and is present in creation and the one who has still the light-bearer. And without light, there cannot be life. And so you, you hear that. And, and he says, the darkness doesn't get it yet. The darkness doesn't get it. Um, the light has shined into the darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it, has not overcome it. Whatever the darkness might try to do to it, it can't do. It can't suppress the light You can't shine dark on something. The light wins. And then he has this little discourse on John, which I'm not all that worried about. Except that John is not the light, but he is a witness to the light. And that verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Tell me about Jesus. Well, he was in the world. Now he is in the world. We, we don't know anything about Mary. We don't know anything about Joseph. We don't know anything about a stable. And it's really, I think, interesting that John, after spending all that time with Mary, doesn't write about her. Maybe he'd heard the story all he wanted to. I don't know. Mary's going, that reminds me of the time. I know, Mary, I know. But this Jesus now is on a mission. This word is now on a mission. And and verse 10 is amazing. If you're sitting and you're talking to someone and, and, and they're not really a believer, you have to understand that not believing makes sense because, because we're about to say something that is beyond comprehension almost that the one who is God and with God and through whom all things were made the one who is the life and the light verse 10 was in the world He's here. He's come. The one who did all this didn't send somebody else to do the work. He hasn't sent uh, Noah. He hasn't sent Abraham. He hasn't sent Moses or Joshua or Samuel or David or Isaiah or Jeremiah or well no, you know the list. No, he did send them, but, but now he's not sending anybody else that's a hired hand. God has come. God has come. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own things but his own people did not receive him but those who did to those who did receive him he gave them the right not the power but the permission the authority to become children of God born of God and then all those 13 verses were all written to say what's in verse 14 verse 14 the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So, so everything that we study now in the Gospel of John is all the Word became, becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We, you never ever forget that. You don't forget that when he's at the temple. You don't forget that when he's at the wedding. You don't forget that when Nicodemus comes. You don't forget that when the woman is at the well. You don't forget that when you're at the pool at Bethesda. You don't forget that when he is the bread of life. You don't forget that. We won't forget that. And, and if you're not a believer, then you're, you're invited to this thing I don't believe. At least this is the way it's playing out. I am, I am not believing this, but what I am not believing is not a set of laws. What I am not believing is not um, a, a rigid set of creeds. What I am not believing is, is not um, magic... What I am not believing and what is auditioning to be believed is that this man that is now here is true and holy God who has come to be here. Well, if you're not a believer, uh, we've got a, in my apartment, there's a, there's a person who's not a believer and they drive a Jeep. Don't know how they could go together. Surely people who drive a Jeep would know there's a God. Because in some of the places, amen, in some of the places you take your Jeep, you sing, Nearer my God to thee. But on the, on the cover over the spare tire, it says one life, live it. And, and that is the motto, that is the motto of, of a new kind of um, atheism. I don't know how to say it other than that, except it's, it's proud of itself in a way. You have one life, you're going to live it, you're going to die like Rover, dead all over. So just live your life. Live it. And no whining. That's that's when I drive past the Jeep and the spare tire and the cover. One life, live it. Lately, I've been thinking about it in the context of this text. When, when Jesus would say, One life. Yes, you get one life. You're, you're not going to come back around and around and be, you know, this guy and that guy and a praying manis and a honeybee and then come back, work your way up to be a turtle and then, you know, maybe a person again. You know, one life. You're always going to be who you are. You're always going to be Eddie and Annette or carry the Jeep driver. And live it. Live it. Yes. Live it. But in Jesus, there's one more word. Always. Always that the one who came as the word in the flesh has come that we might know Jesus, that we might be born as sons and daughters of God and that we might have one life always. And you can say a lot more about that. But what John says about it is, maybe what maybe what the Spirit is going to try to do in the rest of the Gospel of John. maybe this is what 's going to rise in the eyes of you, dear, sweet, beloved unbeliever, not believer, smarter than this, but it 's okay it 's okay, but, but, but stay with Jesus a while and see if what happens in your life is what John says will happen. He says that if you stay with Jesus and listen to the story of Jesus and you watch the life of Jesus, he says, we have seen his glory Well, John he saw his glory he he saw his glory he saw his glory he saw his glory when when Holy Spirit descended on him after he was baptized well that's that's glory he saw glory um, on the mount of transfiguration John saw glory John saw glory he saw jesus. On the cross, John saw Jesus' side, lanced, and water and blood. John saw Jesus raised from the dead. John saw Jesus ascend into heaven. John saw glory. But I don't think he just means glory past. I think he means... That the one who focuses on Jesus and knows the Jesus story and knows the Jesus life will see in Jesus the glory, the shining, the glory of God. That someone who doesn't believe in God begins to see the glory of God. Someone who doesn't believe there's life begins to see the glory of Jesus. Somebody who doesn't have any hope except maybe that their body will die before their brain does will begin to see the shining of God in the face of of the Jesus they come to know in the Gospel of John. And it won't be Jesus wagging his finger in their face telling them what the law is. Now you know the law. You know what you should do. You know. that the glory they see in the face of Jesus is the glory of the grace and the truth, the mercy and the reality of God made real in Jesus. No one has seen God. No one has seen God. But the only God, God the one and only, King James, the only begotten one, the only begotten God, who is from the Very center of God has made him known. And at the end of verse eighteen, no one is yet ready to go to the water. But maybe someone is ready to hear a little more. Tell me just a little more about this word that is God and is with God and through whom all things were created and for whom all things were created. Tell me a little bit more about this one who is the life and the light. Tell me a little bit more about this God who decides to become one with us in the flesh. Tell me about this one who is willing to share his birthright as we become children of God. Tell me about this one who will show me the glory. Just tell me a little bit more. The song we're about to sing is a song that is about the glory. And we sing it because we can see it in Jesus.